Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Talking USMLE podcast. My name is Dr. Paul. If this is your first time visiting, let me take this opportunity to welcome you to the show. Whether you're in pre-med, med school, or you're just looking for some tips on productivity, inspiration, motivation, and becoming successful, you're in the right place. Before we dive in, please do me a huge favor and let us know how we're doing by leaving us a rating. Five stars if you're enjoying the show. Let's not waste any more time. Let's dive in to today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. My name is Dr. Paul. I'm here with Dr. Stavros. Today we're answering some more of your medically related Reddit questions. You guys are asking great questions about the USMLE, clinicals, residency, and even med school. And so we want to provide you guys with some high quality answers. Before we dive in though, do us a huge favor, hit that like button below, subscribe, set up notifications so that we can let you know every time we release a new video. All right, doc, let's dive in with today's first question. All right. Title, serious. Anyone got any success stories to inspire me? Sad M2 here who failed my second exam. Okay, and it was posted two days ago by want to ask, uh, ask as questions. All right, so failed step, step, failed my exam, second exam. I'm at a 68% in all my classes, so I'm barely hanging in, just kind of feel numb because I'm, I've never been in the situation. Some stories from other people uh, who've been in similar, situ- similar situations would be nice. Smiley face. All right. Uh, so let, let me jump in. Um, our, this was way back in early 2000s. Um, we had first semester, we had a histo teacher. Histo, you think, pretty straightforward. This guy was a killer. He was tough. Um, and about half the class had below 50 averages halfway through the semester. Um, I was sitting around a 60-ish, I was definitely not doing well because this guy was tough. Like half the class just dropped the class. The other half was below pass. And then you had a few people who were above, you know, the super, super high achievers who were somehow killing it. Um, But there was about 25 to 30 of us who were failing, failing, you know, failing below 70. Um, And what we all did was we just started to get together and, and we would, every day this guy would give us a quiz. So he would take the lectures from the previous day and he would give us a quiz the next day, every single day. So like every day, 0.5% of your grade depended on your quiz. And so they either added up to a high score or you really got killed. Um, and so what we did was we just figured out a different way to approach these classes, this one specifically, and we would quiz each other. We would take pictures of the slides that we knew he was going to use and we would quiz each other. And you, sometimes when you're not doing well, especially in med school, it's the first time that you um, – experience something like this. You've been great academically your whole life. You get to med school, it's a different story. Try and figure out where your deficiencies are, what's really holding you back. And for us, it was just, we had to figure out what this guy's angle was when he approached his quizzes, figure out the system that he implemented. And then once we did that, a bunch of us, we all started doing well, ended up passing with a fairly decent grade. I think we probably, um, I think I finished with a low 80, but that just because we, we weren't doing well, we figured out why, switched our approach, and then we do better. And that's a huge chunk of the class. Um, there's a ton of students I've dealt with over the years, same with you, who are failing classes or doing poorly. Typically, what you can do is just switch things up. So if you're studying one way and you're not doing well, get a study partner, um, switch up the way you're studying, the way you're approaching the class, and go visit the teacher and say, hey, I'm not doing well. I don't know why. Can you maybe give me some 
tips on how I can better prepare for your, your exams or your lectures or your quizzes, whatever it may be. There's a ton of success stories out there. You just need to, um, you know, realize that everyone experiences challenges and don't really rely on motivation specific stories to, to motivate you. Just realize through the existence of man, they've overcome challenges. You're, you know, this is not a unique situation. You're a couple percentage below passing. You are one of millions who have encountered obstacles. And now you just need to overcome it. Do what I said, switch it up, find a study partner, change your approach, talk to the teacher. You'll be fine, but you have to just be willing to change things up because what you're doing is not working. That's all you got to do. Trust me, you will see a difference. And, and you know, that's all solid info. Now being that we have a 2020 pandemic, a lot of students aren't going to class. It's more virtual like this. So that's when you have to really tap into colleagues and friends to see if they can be study partners with you because you might be feeling alone, right? You're home, taking classes online because you can't go to the campus. Um, you know, many students in our residency roadmap program are first semester, second semester, up to fifth semester students, as well as third and fourth years. And then when they get onto these uh, live Zooms that we have weekly, first things first, we share wins because whether it's a small win or a large win, it's, it's um, addictive, right? It just feels like it feels great because you hear all our students one by one talking about social media or they, they met a program director or they did great on histology or biochem or they killed their telemedicine uh, shelf exam. And that's the, the network you want to build, the positivity that even if you have a bad day, you don't feel that great, you know that because motivation dies out. Inspiration dies. You have to keep going. But to keep going, you need people around you to be positive to help you. So you definitely know how you're feeling, Doc, and it's not easy. But you have yep. to assess where you what went wrong and fix it. So, yep. just stay with it. Yeah. All right. Next question. So, um, question is: M fours changing their names on social media for residency applications. So, the question says: A bunch of M fours at my school are changing their names on social media in preparation for residency applications. I'm assuming this is so programs can't easily find them on Facebook and Twitter or whatever. They don't change their names fully, but spell it in weird ways. Like if their name is Frank they will spell it P-H-R-A-I-N-K or something like that. Is this something a lot of M4s do? Why not just make your social media private, not trying to hate on students who do this, but was genuinely curious. Why not just ask them instead of ask a bunch of random people? But anyway, what do you think? I mean, I don't, I personally, because we do this in our program and you, you know, the way you craft these plans with students, I don't know. I wouldn't change my name. I mean, unless you have some to hide, right? That's how I look at it. Yes. I mean, you know, you have, a, you know, the way you craft the, the, the plan with our students individually, there's certain tips and strategies to really build your persona. Now, if you're, if you're posting things that you shouldn't be posting on Instagram and Facebook, well, then, yeah, then people want to hide because they go, I don't want these individuals to know who I am. But then think of it this way. If I'm applying to your program and you're the boss and you invest in me and then figure out, well, I went based upon Stavros, this persona, but I'm actually somebody else, that's going to be a problem down the line. So... I wouldn't, I wouldn't fib anything. I wouldn't change anything. I would just make sure if this is what I want to do to post uh, the right things in the right way because programs will be looking at your social media and everything else. That's my, my, my opinion. I think if you're making your social media private, you're one, you might be doing something or saying things that, you know, don't paint you in the best light. I would say Correct. if you have to go private, you're probably doing something you're not proud of because there's no other reason to hide 
unless you are doing something that you don't think is, is going to be looked favorably upon. But what we do with our residency roadmap students is we say, what are the positive attributes that you have to offer a program? Let's highlight those. So instead of hiding, we have a student in our roadmap program right now. She has really big family and she's wondering, we had a, our one-on-one -on -one last week and she was wondering, should I make that private or set up a separate account? And I don't want people to know maybe, maybe it'll, they'll look bad. It'll look bad on me if I have a huge family. Like, you know, she's thinking maybe they'll think, well, I won't have time for a residency. But I said, if you want to go into primary care, like kids or family, showing that you're a family person and that you love kids and that you have a big family and you have a great time and you can do well on USMLEs and you can get into residency. That's a positive thing. You just have to realize that social media can be used. It's a tool. Now you can use that tool incorrectly and it can really hurt you. But if you use it properly, you can leverage it and really make yourself stand out. So if I'm hiring someone and I want someone who I know loves kids because she's, it's a pediatrician's program, let's say pediatrics. And I see she's got, you know, four kids, you know, she's got a two-year-old, a four-year-old, six-year-old, eight-year-old. She's always having fun with them, taking them camping. I see this is a fun person. She's got kids. She loves them. She's outdoorsy. These are all things that I would look for because I'm the same way. So if you, if you have things in your life that you want to keep private because you're not proud of them, that's one thing. I would say highlight your strengths so that programs, when they look you up, they can say, wow, not only does this person's CV and personal statement really paint a nice picture, but everything I'm seeing on social media actually backs it up. You'll stand out. Trust me. That's why networking is such a major component of our roadmap program because it's super powerful when done correctly. I mean, this is an M2 talking about M4. If you're thinking about all this time you're going to spend daily creating your persona, who's not going to love you if you do it the right way? I mean, that's yeah. the whole thing, right? They're going to say, wow, this individual has a scores, but they look cool. The research, she does this, he does this. They're involved in volunteer work, whatever you want to put on to show them, I love pediatrics. I love whatever specialty you love. So take it, use it to your advantage, leverage it in the right way. And if I can just talk about one more of our students who did some important research with COVID um, and he was very, very shy about putting it out there um, because maybe people would think, look down on him like peers. Um, <clears throat> maybe he was worried. I don't know what he was worried about. I think he just, you know, when you put yourself out there by doing big things, there's a lot of criticism that can come your way. But I said, listen, this is one of the most important things of 2020 and you're highly involved in the research aspect of it. Put it out there, talk about it, find people that can spread your message. And you know what he did? He did exactly what we told him to do. He was on multiple news outlets. Yep. He is being interviewed by chief residents and program directors at high profile places before interview season even started because they all saw what he put out there. He networked and this was all because of social media. So like I said, you can use it, it's a tool. You can use it for bad, you can use it for good. If you use it for bad and you have to hide, okay, they might discover that you're not who you say you are down the road. But if you use it for good, you're just confirming what they thought of you based on the awesome personal statement you wrote, the CV as a whole. It's up to you guys. I would strongly say highlight your, highlight your uh, positive aspects. Wonderful. All right, what do we got next? All right, let's check this one out. All right. Uh, posted 10 days ago by James Castellano. Nice name. I'm really confused. Need help to decide which specialization... Uh, or residency I should choose. All suggestions are welcome. I want a field which has a good work-life balance. Uh, this is the most important thing. 
it should have good physician, physician compensation and with research opportunities. Not too boring or repetitive work. Is pediatrics good? What about IM? Suggestions, please. James, my friend, I like the, I admire your question. Unfortunately, there is no answer. There is no answer. I mean, anyway, you want to attack this doctor? I got my two. Sure, sure. So you want a field that has good work-life balance. I'm assuming you mean you want a nine to five. So, you know, have you thought of whether medicine is the right field for you? That's the first thing I would say. Because um, you said that's the most important thing. Now, there are opportunities where you can do a nine to five. You can just be a clinician. You could do a pediatrics. You can have a clinic open eight to four, eight to five, clock in, clock out, and do that with family. You can do that with internal. Um, but these are not super highly paid jobs because there's very few nine to fives where you're going to make a lot of money because you said it should have good physician compensation with research opportunities, not too boring or repetitive work. Well, the one thing that always comes to mind when someone wants a nine to five that pays them 300 grand that has research opportunities that can be very um, diverse is dermatology. You're going to need excellent board scores. You're going to need probably to come from a good school in the U S you're going to need excellent letters. You're going to need research. You're going to need your foot in the door at some high profile places. This is tough. You can't just, basically name a dream. I mean, I would love to work nine to five and make half a million dollars. And then when five o'clock rolls around, I can just chill and it doesn't exist. You can create that, but it's going to take a lot of work up front. You're going to have to do a lot of legwork, put in a lot of time and effort. Um, it depends what your idea of good compensation is, to be quite honest. Um, Cause if, uh, um, you know, a family medicine doc or a pediatrician, they could make, you know, 150,000, but they're probably not going to make any more than two, not working nine to five. Um, and that's, that's a very, very high end. So, I mean, you could do IM as a hospitalist, but then you're going to work 12 hours a day for two straight weeks. And then you get two weeks off. Is it work-life balance? I don't know. A lot of people love that idea. For me, I don't love, I wouldn't want to work 12 hours a day for 14 days straight, but the job you're describing sounds like a dermatologist. And that's going to be one of the toughest things to get into. Not, it's not impossible, but you should be uh, looking. I just look at some of the uh, some of the uh, comments. You know, someone said radiology. True, but if you're working as a radiologist, chances are you're going to be doing calls as well because someone's got to be there overnight when someone has a ruptured appendix, and we don't sure. know why. Sure. Someone's got to do those jobs. So, uh, you Derm? know, Derm? I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? I agree with you. It's the compensation aspect because I know this person's probably thinking, I want to make more than 125 grand. Probably, you know, but it's. But, you know, the whole point now, and this I'm going to go a little deep, is balance. What does balance mean to you, right? Everyone has a different balance. You know, some people want more time with family, friends, people love to work. So that's something that you have to decide what kind of balance you want to have. And obviously, researching opportunities, there's so many out there. But unless you're in there doing the rotations, because I can tell you, you know what, derp, just like with Dr. Pulse, I could say do emergency. But if you hate emergency, what if you don't like dermatology? Because it is repetitive. Every day you're seeing patients who are derm, and then you know you have you have, you have uh, sure. antibiotics, antifungal creams, you know uh, biopsies. You need to get the experience of every specialty to then say, you know what, can I see myself doing this every day and being happy? I love the question. I admire that, James. I would say just you know go in with an open mind with every rotation possible 
and then dig deep, ask all the residents, all the attendings that you work with from them. Because people you're asking on Reddit, you're asking students to either have taken a, a, a rotation, maybe not, maybe it was a good rotation, it was a poor rotation. I could say, yeah, pizza's great, but can you handle the mom? Can you handle the dad? Can you handle a patient not really able to speak with you if it's nine months old? Can you handle being cold at three o'clock in the morning, the fever is 102.2? That's what I'm saying. There's so many factors involved that there's own pros and cons in every specialty. I'd say Durham and ER, emergency, you could have your own business, be an ER, right? 12 hour shifts, unfortunately. Again, everyone has different definitions of balance and boring versus non-boring and physical comp physician compensation. So there's a lot to, you know, lot to think about, Doc, a lot to uh, think about. I appreciate the question because this is a sort of thing I would have asked a long time ago because, you know, I cared about these things. But you also, you know, to be brutally honest, if this, and I would tell my, myself the exact same thing, I, I came to learn this. If you are looking for a couple things, if you're looking for steady nine to five hours, medicine is probably not the field for you. It's going to be hard to find that. Yeah. If you're looking for just earning potential, medicine might not be for you because people who are usually focused on money aren't thinking, I want 150, 200,000. They're thinking like, can I make a million dollars? There's money to be made in medicine, but don't forget you have to pay insurance, which can be sky high depending on what specialty you're in. Um, and then you, if you have staff or you have you know, other things, lifestyle creep, you need to make a lot of money just to have a good lifestyle. And a lot of people think that doctors make half a million, $750,000. It's not the case, especially not working nine to five, even Durham's nine to five. They're not making a three quarters of a million dollars. So, you know, if these are your main questions, I would strongly encourage you to do more research because medicine might not be for you. You have to be passionate about helping people and you also have to be willing to work a lot and not necessarily make a lot. That's just the facts. Medicine's sort of a calling and, a lot, you know, a lot of questions I get from students who make me think it might not be right for you. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean that it just might not be for you. I mean, you have the four years of medical school and three plus years of residency. It's a lot of time invested to get that payout and payout, not just financially, but emotionally. So it's going to weed out those who are really serious about it and those who were serious, but they had a different mind, different you know, thought process of what's going to happen. That's it's, it's a long, long journey. That's all we're saying. So you can do, you can Google, research it. You know, uh, you want to be happy. So wish you the best, James. All right, let's do one more question. Uh, let me see here. So the question is gap year before residency. So USMD here, feeling pretty unsure about residency right now. Wondering if anyone has willingly taken a gap year before residency and how this impacted them in later match cycles. I'm also open to exploring other career options, but don't really know where to start on that front either. Overall, I'm a mess, so I'd appreciate any guidance. Um. Okay, so so the gap year, many people do take a gap year off, um, and the gap year it's meant for research, um, and, and it's it's in my, you know it's I I understand why they do that. So in that aspect, if you are taking the year off, by all means, um, but if you're exploring other career options, well then you have to start thinking to yourself, what do you? What do you what are you thinking, right? Are you still thinking about going to residency or maybe a certain particular specialty of residency? Maybe you're really not sure yet because you love everything. You want to do OB versus PEDS. I mean, it's it's normal to think this way because when you get into a residency program, you want to put you know you want to go in 150 percent. So the gap year really shouldn't affect you if you have something to show for it on paper why you took that year, right? Mm -hmm. If it's just a year and you're moving jumping around not knowing, 
well, then you're going to have to kind of explain that when you're on your resume. Like, what'd you do for that? For those for your two weeks? Uh, did you do research? Did you do ex externships? Did you sub-eyes? Did you kind of just do nothing? Find yourself? That's, that's what I would say. Yeah. I mean, you know, it sounds like this person's burnt out. And if, if your mental health is suffering, then you want to take care of that first and foremost. Obviously, nothing's yeah. more important than your health, because if you don't have that, then you don't have anything. But I agree with you. Uh, I wouldn't just sit around playing PlayStation for a year. I would, if you need to take a break, you could take it. But do something in the meantime that makes you on paper look like you did it for the right reasons. So if you want to do some research or you know, maybe you're just doing some volunteer work at an animal shelter, do something in the, in the time off. Um, still, if you need to recharge, go for it. But yeah, do something that you can put on paper that will still make you look good because there's nothing worse than a gap with nothing to explain you know, for it. So I keep that in mind. Yeah, because I mean, that year that you're taking off, other, there's other candidates out there applying for residency, right? So that's the whole point. It's always going to be the competition out there. So highlight yourself any way possible. Best of luck, Doc. Yeah. Best of luck. All right. So let's uh, call it quits there. Hopefully that was helpful. If you guys have any questions or comments, drop them in the comment section below. Don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe, set up notifications, and we will send you all of our brand new videos. Thank you all for stopping by. See you on the next episode. See you guys. Thank you all for listening. I hope you found that to be helpful. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at RealDrPaul and you can follow Dr. Stavros at RealDrStavros. I hope you found this episode to be helpful. If you did, please don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and leave a review so we know if you're finding the show to be helpful. We thank you for listening to the show. We know that you could be anywhere right now, but you've decided to spend your time with us. And for that, we're forever grateful. Thank you all for stopping by. We'll see you on the next episode.